Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Bavakama Daf Lamid Gimel, and we're starting about eight lines or so from the bottom of Lamid Bey's Amud Gimel. <laughs> Yesterday we learned a memra of uh, Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, and the line that he had said was and we had applied it to a brisa that we had seen one third of the way down on Lamid Bey's Amud Bey's. The Gemara is now going to take that that memra, that statement of Rav Chanina Bar Yossi. Uh, Rabiosi Barchanina, excuse me, and apply it to two other possible locations. And the Gemara says, and this is where we're beginning from, ten, eight lines or so from the bottom of Lamed Beis and Beis, the Gemara reads as follows: Rapapa de Rava Masni La Aresha. The line of Rabiosi Barchanina, where he spoke about Chayev Bedalad Varmu Pater Migalus, he applies that to the Resha of our Brisa, not to the Seifa where we applied it. Which part of the brisa does he apply it to? The original brisa can be found a third of the way down. We're quoting it here, seven lines from the bottom. If somebody goes into the property of a woodworker without permission, and he gets hit with a splinter of wood in the head and he dies, the halacha is that the bal nagar, the bal chanuso, is going to be putter. And Amr Yossi, Bereb Chanina, when we say putter, what are we talking about? Is he putter from everything? And here is where, this is our second approach, here is where we apply the memra of Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, Amr Yossi Bar Chanina, He's putter from galus. This is considered to be a case of shogeg. And the din is that uh, he's chayev with, with arba dvarim, but putter from galus. Says the Gemara, Man according to the approach we learned yesterday, approach number one of Rav Yossi Bar Chanina, where it was applied to the Brisa at one third of the way down. So Kol Aresha, that would all the more so be true in this new application that we saw. But there, because there was a higher level of culpability, he was there with Rishus. So that's really considered a Shogeg. It's not a far removed Isser of murder. And therefore, he'd be chayev begalus. Says the Gemara, that's really not true that he'd be chayev begalus with Rishus. After all, umi chayev galus. The Brisa writes, If a person walks into the store of a blacksmith, and there were some sparks, he was hammering metal, which is a typical activity of a blacksmith. Uh, we've all seen the movies of somebody hitting a hammer on a boiling hot anvil uh, out of the movies. So he's sitting there and he hits it and a piece of metal or a spark uh, spins off of the blade that he's hitting, the tough chalo al pun of the mace, and it kills the visitor. The Gemara says, Pater, the bal napach, the bal gala, the bal achanus is going to be Pater. And what do we see over here? The afilu nichnas birishus. Here in the case of the napach, we see that he's nichnas birishus and he is going to be putter. Yet in our case, when we saw by the nagar, there by the carpenter, we said he's chayet. So which one is it? Do we say that there's a chiyuv galus by the, by only by the nagar, but not by the napach? Yes or no? The Gemara says, what are we dealing with in our case? In the case of the um uh, of the Nagar, in the case of the carpenter, we're talking about the Shul, I'm sorry, in the case of the Nafcha, the person who was a blacksmith, we're talking about the Shulia de Nafcha. We're only talking about a case of the employee or the apprentice of the blacksmith. Says the Gemara, who cares who we're talking about? Lemaise, if you know he's there, you need to have an extra level of care. Shulia de Nafcha, the apprentice of the blacksmith, Lemiktalakai, you think he's standing there just to get killed? 
The fact that he is your apprentice doesn't make him less of a victim. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be chayv and gullus if you kill him accidentally. Says the Gemara, no. No, he is the apprentice, but this is where the master, where the napach, the owner, the blacksmith himself says, can you please get out of here? Yeah, I don't want you here anymore. Go take your time off. I want you to come back refreshed tomorrow. You're all done for the day. Please leave. So says the Gemara, how does that solve any problems? Just because the master said to his apprentice, it's time for you to leave. So therefore, if he gets killed, it's considered to be normative. It's not normal to kill anybody. Says the Gemara, no, don't worry. Really, the Napach, the main blacksmith, the person who owned the store, he thought that his apprentice had left. But really, he hadn't left. Says the Gemara, well, if that's true, then who? Are we trying to bring proof to the case where she's a shalom here? We are trying to explain why the case of the Napach, where there, where he says that the person is putter, we're trying to explain why that case is different than our case of the Nagar, where he's chayat. He's here, Birshus. The uh, Brisa says, he says, get out, that he, he came in Birshus, but he said, get out. Right, but his presence initially was Birshus. So, so the bri- that's, how we're, that's how we're teaching. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to come up with a scenario where there's Rishus, but you're really Pater from Gullus. So the Gemara is just kind of wet. Well, interesting. He literally said, get out. He doesn't get less Rishos than that. It, there is less Rishos than that. There, less Rishos than that is Stamabalabas. Yeah, yeah, Stamabalabas. So that's why the Gemara says, Kasavor Yatza, he thought that perhaps the apprentice of the blacksmith had already left. And then when he killed him, it was a pure shogeg. Says the Gemara, if that's true by a Napach, if that's true by the, what's the word here? Um, by the shulia de napa, if that's, if that's true by the apprentice, <clears throat> even if it's not the apprentice, if he kills anyone by accident, who cares if it's a blacksmith? So the Gemara says there's a difference. When we're top of Lama Gimel, Lama Aleph, top line, when we're talking about a third party, someone who is not in the blacksmith business and he's not the apprentice of this Napach, that person, he has no fear of the master. And therefore, in that case, he'd have to be a little bit more careful. However, hi, in this case, the person who's the apprentice does have a little more fear because he works for him. And therefore, he's more likely to listen. And therefore, when the master kicks him out and the master actually thought he left and he didn't leave, the master's surprised. Because there's aim sadarabe, because the 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 apprentice should have had some yira, should have had some fear of his boss, and he actually should have left. So therefore, it's a bit a bit uh, less of a shogeg. It's, it's like pretty far removed in his head. The guy was gone because when your employee trusts you and when your employee is fears you, and you say please get out, you assume your employee left. So it's such a low level that even though he was there, Birshus initially, but therefore he's Pater. But Lemaisa, the din still stands, that we would assume, as we said on the fourth line from the bottom of Lamed Beis, Beis, that a person who is there, Birshus, would be Chayv Galas. If a person who is there, Birshus, got killed, then the owner would um, be Chayv Galas. Just in that rare case, he would not be Chayv Galas. So this is the second application of the Memra, of the statement of Rav Yossi Bar Hanina. And the Gemara on the top of Lamed Gimel Lamed Aleph gives us a third application as follows. Ruzvid Mishmei de Rava, Masni Aha. He says in the name of Rava, by the way, Rav Papa, who quoted the last one, was also in the name of Rava. Rav, Rav, Rav Papa and Ruzvid were Talmidim of Rava, and one of them seems to have misunderstood their Rebbe, and we don't know which one was who. 
So the Pasuk says in the Brisa, uh, the Pasuk says, Umatza. And the Pasuk over here, if you look on the side, it says, Umatza esrei ehu vames. If the handle of the axe, when I swing one way or the other and the handle falls off, if it's matza esrei ehu, it finds a friend, that means that the friend was already there. Prat, what do we preclude from this? Prat, lemamtsi es atzmo, that someone who shows up after the release of the uh, the top of the axe. So here's the flow of events. Let's say I'm on my downswing with the axe and there's no one in front of me. No one in front of me. I can't see anybody. And I uh, throw the axe down to break the head flies off in that direction. And a guy jumps out from behind the tree to try and surprise me. And the axe catches him right between the eyes. As far as I'm concerned, I took all of my responsibilities. Instead of me throwing it at someone and hitting him, I was throwing the axe when no one was in front of me. I did everything right. He jumped into the way, and therefore that's not a case where there's a chiyuv galos. Because the action that I did of swinging the axe, unbeknownst to me that the head would fall off, and then subsequently kill someone, is so far removed, it's really more like an ones. And therefore, if it's lemamti es atmo, if somebody appeared out of nowhere, then the owner of the axe, when it's a case of a nashal habarzel, when the head of the axe falls off, so then the din is that he's putter from galus. And Mikan says the Gemara, articulating the idea that I had just said, Amar Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Mishiyatasa evan mitachas yado, if I throw a rock, v'hotzi hala es rosho v'kibla, and I threw the rock next to uh, next to a building, I threw it across the, let's say this is the face of the building, and I threw it across the face of the building, high arc, one foot from the building. And right then a guy sticks his head out the window and gets clobbered and killed. I'm putter, because that's Mantias Atmo. He put himself into the line of fire after I released, after I released the rock. Fine. And then this is where, says Rav Zvid, that we apply the din, the Memra, of Rav Yossi Bar Chanina. Am Rav Yossi Bar Chanina, Pater mi galos v'chai In such a case, you're pater from galos, and you're obligated to pay arba dvarim. Says the Gemara, man demasni aha. Those who learn Rav Yosi Bar over here by the case of Mamsi, and if you're going to say that you are uh, pater from galos, kol akamaisa, all the more so on the other cases which were even more lenient. Those who learn Reb Yosi Bar Chanina in earlier cases, <laughs> but here you'd be completely Pater. Um, it requires a little bit of time to compare and contrast all three of these cases to one another. The ideal thing to do is to lay out all three cases next to each other, draw charts, and really compare properly to see the various levels of Shogeg. And just to be clear, because this is what we've already seen, Shogeg is like a great area. There's gradations of shogeg. So for example, there's your classical shogeg, where uh, I threw a rock without intention to kill and it killed. Uh, there's a shogeg karav lemezid, like we learned about yesterday. When somebody hits someone who's already on their deathbed, that is considered shogeg karav lemezid. And then you have cases like this, where a person's mamtsias atzma, which is the lowest level of shogeg, where you're putter. So for halachic purposes, it's really crucial to understand where all the gradations of shogeg apply. That brings us to the two dots about 10 lines down on Lama Gimel Amud Let's continue. Tanu Rabbanan, we have a brisa. Po'alim, we have some workers. They came to collect their check. It's Friday morning. They've worked a whole hard week. It's Eretz Yisrael. They don't have a job on Friday. Friday morning, they show up. Balabais, I'd like to get a check. While they were there, 
He, uh, the person who came to collect his check was gored by the shore of the owner of the house, Vinoshchan Kalbo, and got bitten by a dog, Shal Balhabaisu Meso, Pater. The halacha is that the Balhabais is Pater. This is the Shita of the Tanakama. So a person X, let's say Ruvain, goes to collect his check. He gets gored by the uh, shore. He gets mauled by the dog. The halacha is that the Balabais is Pater for his death. Yeah. Let's get in. Let's get into the Gemara. Acherim Omrim, not everybody agrees with the Tanakama. Michael is one of those people. So is Acherim. Rishoyin po'alan lispo'ascharan mi balabais. A worker has every right to go knock on the door of his master's house to ask for his paycheck. And therefore, because they had the right to be there, therefore the balabais is on the hook for liability. And he'd be chayv in these cases if his animal were to kill the person coming to collect his check. Says the Gemara, hey, I don't understand the case. If this person is in the city, there really aren't a lot of animals there. So then, my time of the Acherim, why would we say you're Chayiv? And if a person's at home where all of his animals are present, my time of the Tanakama, that you'd be Potter. So says the Gemara, Lotzricha, we're a third of the way down, just about a third of the way down on Lamed Gimel, Lamed Aleph. Lotzricha, Begavra, Deshriach, Veloshriach. Sometimes he lives in uh, in Florida. Sometimes he lives in Chicago. Fine. So let's see what happened. The Kari Abava, um, I uh, the employee walk over and I knock on the door. The Kari Abava, he calls out at the doorway, and meaning he knocks on the door. The Amar Lahu and the Balabais, who's sometimes home and sometimes not. This time he says in. He says yes. So we do this all the time. If somebody knocks on the door, yes, or we would say who is it? Let's say in this case they say yes. So there's a machlokas about. What this yes means. Do we say mar sover in ol ta mashma? Yes, that when a person says yes, it means come up, come into the house, ruchem abayim, open the door. Or no, umar sover in means kuma duchtech mashma, stay at the door, I'll be there, I'll come open the door for you. So we have different languages in our in our language. We would say come in or who is it? Come in means open the door. My sister says that when I knock. But if I were to have someone else knocking at the door in my house, I'd say, hold on, or I'm on my way, be there in a minute, but you have no rishos to come in. That's what the Gemara is saying over here, where we have this oddball scenario of the owner not being chayib in the death of someone who comes to knock at his door. And why is that? Because, and Michael, this is the answer to your question. Why is it that if I, or if, uh, let's say if Reuven goes to collect his check and he knocks on the door of the master and then he gets killed by the master's, and why is he putter? Because he went into the house after hearing the word in. But according to the Tanakama, when you knock on the door and the master says in, it doesn't mean you can come into the house. It only means you should wait by the door. He misinterpreted the word in that the master said, yes. He interpreted it as come in, in, ta, uh, ol ta, and that's incorrect. You're not allowed to come in. And therefore you entered without rishos and therefore you're an idiot and you're going to get penalized for it. Or actually you're dead now. But the point is that in this case, there will be no monies to be paid to the Yorsham, whatever the whatever the Tashlumen is. No gullus. And in fact, Tanya command to Amar, we have a brisa that supports this shita of our Tanakama of in, that when the owner of the house says yes, it means kuma duchtech mashma, it means to wait in your place. The Tanya, the brisa writes, if a worker uh, goes into the home of his master to collect money, the nagcho shoro shal balabais o nashro kalbo pater, afal pisha nichnas birashus. 
So what does this mean? He's nichnas berishus. Says the Gemara, Amai Potter. If he was nichnas berishus, so then why would it be that he's Potter? Now it's the responsibility of the owner. Elalav, it must be when we say nichnas berishus, it's that he did ask permission to carry above. He knocked on the door of Amar La, it lay in, and the owner said yes. Ushmamina in kumadochtach mashma, that when we say, Yes, in answering the door, it implies that you should not enter if you're on the outside of the door. And that's why we have our machlokas between the Tanakama and Achirim. And the machlokas is about when the owner of a house says, yes, after you knock on the door, does it mean you can come into the house or does it mean that you should wait at the door? You got your answer. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, this isn't a democracy. So uh, I would say vote at the next elections, but I don't think anything is going to change here. That's how the Mishnah clears the machlokas between the Tanakama and the Acherim. We have to figure out what the word means, halachically speaking. If I say, if I knock on your door and you say, yes, I need to know what that means. By the way, you should always hedge and not enter because that's just a smarter political move. But halachically speaking, what does it mean? So it seems from our Gemara that we paskin that in is stay in your place. I'll come get you. Don't come into my house just with the word in. That's an insufficient language. You're, you're adding elements to the sugya. When we when we have, the, this is a pure in a vacuum. Whenever we learn Gemaras, we have to learn them with the details that we have. You're right. You should have locked this door. And he What? No. Therefore, more likely he's going to want to go right in. Absolutely. He's going to want to collect his paycheck for sure. That's hard to get. It's like they recommend your knowledge that you're here. It doesn't mean It depends where you live. There are some places where in means come in, and there are some places where in means wait at the door. It really depends. That's their that's their whole machlok as Tanakam and Acherim. That's literally what they're arguing about. Yeah, but it's like an email that I sent the other day where they just replied receipt. Doesn't mean they're going to do what I want them to do. <laughs> it just means that they received it, right? It's the same. It's Could the same be. It's not a perfect muscle, but I, I hear your frustration at work. Yeah. That's for sure. I definitely do. You have my empathy. I, I've been there. So that's the machlokas Tanakama and the, and the Acherim in regards to whether or not when a homeowner says in, if that implies, yes, you may enter or please stay at the door. That brings us to our next case, um, a short, it's not a short Mishnah, but it's a short Mishnah in Gemara, relatively speaking. It'll go until about eight lines until the bottom of the page. Shnei Shvarim, we have two animals. Tamin, both of them are docile. Shechavlu and they hurt each other. Mishalman b'mosar chatinezek, whichever animal was damaged more, gets paid half of the difference between the damages. So let's say Ruvain has an animal and Shimon has an animal. Ruvain and Shimon's two animals, they are just, uh, they're, I don't know, two horses are trotting and they weren't paying attention. They bumped into each other. One of them had a broken nose and needed an eye replacement. The other one just broke a tooth. So let's say one of them had damage of $300. One of them had a damage of $100. So the hefrish between them is $200. Chatzinezek is a hundred of that difference. That's what the Gemara says. Mishalman b'mosar chatzinezek. The person who lost more money in the damages gets paid chatzinezek of the difference between the damage of Ruvain and Shimon's animals. And as well, Shnehen Muadin, if both animals were considered dangerous animals, Mishalman b'mosar nezek shalim. So then we have to look and see whichever the nezek shalim is more both animals were hurt. Both animals were killed. So the Bailam have to figure it out. My animal was worth 300. Your animal is worth 400. So if the difference is 100, I have to pay 100. That's the Nezek Shalim. I have to pay the Shalim of the heifers, the whole entire thing. Not Chatzin Nezek, because they're not Tom. They're Muad. 
the right because it's going to end up that they net have the same amount of money in losses. That's correct. They're going to take the same loss. Oh, yeah, but they're equal. In the end, right. they're going to they'll they'll end up evening out. That's how the Mishnah. I mean, not in the, in the Chassidic case too, but there's half of the money never never appears because they're tam. So by tam, we never have right. all the Nezek payments. Just Chassidic. So that was the case of Shnehen Muadin. What about Echad Tam Echad Muad? Oh, now the case is getting a little bit more complicated. My animal's docile. Your animal's crazy. So then, if Muad Betam, if the Muad causes more damage than the Tam, then Mishale Mosar Nezek Shalim. If the Muad, so then yeah, if he's the one that uh, needs to get paid, then the payment is Nezek Shalim. Tam Bemuad Mishalim Bemosar Chati Nezek. If there's more damage in the Tam, then the payment has to be for the Chati Nezek. Moving over into humans. I'm a little insulting that when animals fight and when humans fight, they're put in the same Mishnah, but I guess it's a little animalistic. I don't know. Maybe. What? Deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Two men get into a... This, in this case, it's actually... Uh, it doesn't matter what they do because Adam is Muad Olam, right? It could be accidental on the ice skating rink, and it also could be that you were in a brawl in, your, in a UFC match. And the Gemara says it doesn't matter. Whoever had more damage, we look at the hefresh in the damage, and the person who caused that hefresh in the damage has to pay that whole that whole difference because Adam Muad Olam. That's why it's Nezek Shalim. So Mishalim Bemosar, Nezek Shalim. Um, it says the Gemara, we're two thirds of the way down. Adam Bemuad. Let's say you have a man who injures an, an animal that's muad or a muad animal that injures a man. That's obvious too because they're both together muad. Adam is muad olam, and you've already self-proclaimed this animal to be a muad. So same rules as, as the case of two, two men, two anashim. Adam betam, betam betam. What about a man that injures a docile animal or the opposite? A docile animal that injures a man. So then, if Adam betam, if the man caused the damage to the tam, so then Mishalim b'mosar nezek shalim. If an Adam has more damage, I should say, so then the Adam uh, is going to get paid nezek shalim. Um, and then tam Adam b'mosar chati nezek because the animal's tam and it's chati nezek. Rebbe Kiva Omer, if a docile animal injured uh, an adult, a man, he too will pay Nezek Shalim. Let's see what this machlokes of Rabbi Akiva and the Tanakama is all about. We're three lines before the wide lines at the open of the Gemara on Lamed Gimel Lamed Aleph. The Gemara says, says the Gemara, Tanakama explains, the halacha that exists between two shvarim, kach mishpat shor be'adam. The halacha should be the same between a shor and an adam. What's that? Last short line. Ma shor b'shor, tam mishalim chati nezek, muad nezek shalim. Just like with two shvarim, if you have a tam, then he pays chati nezek, and a muad who pays nezek shalim. Af shor be'adam. The same thing would be true with an animal and uh, who injures a person. Tam mishalim nezek, chati nezek, muad nezek shalim. And this is where Rabbi Akiva argues, and for this we're going to need a Rashi, because this line... If we would have known the Torah by heart, it would have been easier. Um, and honestly, if I would have photostatted uh, psukim for you, it would have been even easier. The Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Kimishpat Hazeh, 
is like the lower one and not like the upper one. This is a reference to the fact of the kitachton, the pasuk that's closer to where I am, as opposed to the pasuk that's further from where I am. So what does mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is one third of the way down in the Rashi's the lower pasuk. The Pasuk that's closer to the Pasuk that we're dealing with, our, our Pasuk is Kemish Batazeyaselo. The Pasuk that's closer is talking about Muat. The Pasuk that's Elyon, that's further away, is talking about Tam. So that's why Rabbi Akiva says that even the Tam in this case is treated like a Muad because Kemish Batazeh references the Pasuk that's closer, that's referring to a Muad and not referring to a Tam. And Rabbi Akiva continues in his Shita. There's a bit of a quirk here, which is that normally when we talk about Nezek Shalem, and we just said that Kimishbat Hazeb, when we have this case of Shor and Tam, that we're going to put it in the category of Nezek Shalem. Typically with Nezek Shalem, we always pay Minho Aliyah. We always make sure that every penny gets transferred over. However, under other circumstances, we pay Migufo, whatever the value is of the animal, even if my losses are greater than that animal, I don't have to pay the difference. So Yachol Yeshalem Minho Aliyah. You might have thought in this case, in this rare case where we apply Nezek Shalem, that we also apply the rules of Minho Aliyah, that you're responsible for every dollar and not just the gufosh of the animal. Talmud Lomar says, Rabbi Akiva, the Pasuk says, And that is how Rabbi Akiva formulates his answer that we saw at the end of this Mishnah, that he's Mishalim Bimosar Nezek Shalim, but it's not Minho Aliyah. Says the Gemara Verabon, and what does the Tanakama do with the Limud of Rabbi Akiva? Hazeh, when the Pasuk says, Kimishpat Hazeh, Lamali, what, is the, what do they do with that word? Says the Gemara Reb, that the Rabbanan used those words, Lepotro me'arba'advarim, to teach us that you're putter from those four uh, penalties. Rebbe Akiva, Lepotro me'arba'advarim inale. Where does Rabbi Akiva know that in this case of a shore damaging a tam, that you're putter from arba'advarim? Nafgale mi'ish ki ten mum be'amiso. When there's a man who gives a mum be'amiso, ish be'amiso, only a man with another person, but below shore ba'ami, so not when there are damages between a shore and between a person. Says the Gemara Verabonon, where do the rabbis, what do the rabbis do with this? It says the Gemara, no, if that was all, I might have thought that uh, that Tsar would have been one of those things. I might have thought that he would have had to pay Sheves and Ripui, which isn't necessarily monetary. It's giving them time to heal. It's giving them off of work. Kamash Malon, that they're putter from all four. Lemaisa, what we just learned in this Brisa, is the psukim that support Rabbi Akiva to understand his sheet in our Mishnah. And what our Brisa adds that our Mishnah doesn't add is that while Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that Shor Batam pays Nezek Shalem, which is already unique. There's also a Chiddush that even though it's Nezek Shalem, he's not paying Min Ha'aliyah, he's only paying Migufo. And therefore he gives over the animal. And if the animal is less than the damages, he no longer has to pay the cash value to capture the difference between them. That brings us to our next Mishnah, about eight lines from the bottom of Lamed Gimel Amadale. Let's continue. Shor Shavemane, Shenogach Shor Shavemasayim. My animal's worth 100. Your animal's worth 200. But the nevela, uh, the corpse itself, has no value to it. No tell us sure. He just takes the other animal, the animal that killed, uh, as opposed to the animal that was killed. He just takes the whole animal. That's how we even out the, the scales financially. 
Masnis and money. Who is the author of our Mishnah? Asks the Gemara. It must be that it's Rabbi Akiva. Titania, the Brisa, speaks about this idea. Yusam Hashor Bebezdin, Dibir Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel was of the opinion that you don't give over the animal, you bring it to Bezdin and find out its financial equivalent. Our Mishnah said that where there's a discrepancy in the cost of, of the value of my animal and yours, and my animal kills yours, I just give you my animal. But we don't have to go to Bezdin. That's only the sheets of Rabbi Shmuel. Masha'in came Rabbi Akiva Omer. No, Huchla Tashor. It's it's the whole animal. We give over the animal, not the financial value of the animal. The whole animal. Take the reins. Take the animal. Goodbye. Take it. I killed your animal, and our animals are worth different things, and the corpse of your animal is worthless. Therefore, you can take my whole animal. What are Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel arguing about? Says the Gemara. Rabbi Shmuel Savar, that in a case like this, like our Mishnah, where it's Shor Shavamane, Shenogach Shor Shavamasayim, the person who owes money is effectively Savar Balchovhu. I'm just a Balchov. I owe you money. What do you want me to do? I owe you money. I'm sorry that my animal killed yours. And there is no halachic reason for me to give you the Shor itself. Really, the Zuzehu Damasikle. Rabbi Shmuel is of the opinion that he has to give over just the financial value. That's why Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel says in the Brisa that we're talking about a case, Yusam Hashor Bevezdin, it just gets evaluated uh, in Bezdin. However, they evaluate it, they look at its weight, they look at its overall value, color or strength, whatever the case may be, cash value. Rabbi Akiva Savar, no. What's the link between me and you and my animal kills your, yours? Shutfeinin, who were really partnerships. That's at least how we look at it halachically. And therefore, you have to give me your animal. You killed my animal, give me your animal, not financial value. It's a swap. It's not financial value. It's barter. I'm giving you, we're partners. I'm giving you my animal because my animal killed yours. And says the Gemara, this is fascinating. Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva have a machlokas about who this Pasuk is speaking to. Look at this. We're um, four lines from the bottom. The Pasuk reads, You should sell the shore and split it in half. Rabbi Shmuel looks at this Pasuk and says, this Pasuk is talking to Bezdin. That's why Rabbi Shmuel says that when the Pasuk says that you're that it's talking to Bezdin, Bezdin has to establish the value. They have to evaluate the cost of the animal and say, here's how much your animal's worth, $2,500. And I, as the Mazik, have to pay you that amount of money or whatever the appropriate amount of money is. For Rabbi Akiva Savar, no. The Pasuk is not talking to Bezdin. The Pasuk of, uh, of Umachru as Hashor Hechai, Bechatsu es Kaspo, Rabbi Akiva Savar, three lines from the bottom, Lenizaku Mazik Mezaharlu Rachmana. That was talking to the two of them, and therefore the animal itself has to be given over and not its value. Bechatsu es Kaspo, I only have to give over my half as opposed to your half. I killed your animal. Here's my whole animal to pay back. So the machlokas between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva is a question of literally who the Pasuk is talking to. Rabbi Shmuel says it's talking to Bezdin. Rabbi Akiva says it's talking to the Mazik and the Nizak. My Beinaihu, what's the difference between these two shitas? Says the Gemara. Hikdisho Nizak Ika Beinaihu. The difference is if the Nizak the person who was damaged is Makdish the animal. Take a look at Rashi at the very bottom of the page. Dibur Hamaschil. Hikdisho Nizak According to Rabbi Yishmael, he says Lo Kidesh because the there's no goof of the of the shore that's shaykh over here. Only the money. You're 
You are Makadesh, something that isn't yours. Yes, Nizak, you're deserved, you're deserving of money because my animal killed your animal. But you can't be Maktish, the animal that will be the dollar value for you. You don't own that animal. You only have rights to the financial equivalent of that animal. Masha'in Kane Rashi continues, Rabbi Akiva Kaddish, according to Rabbi Akiva, that the animal itself of the mazik is going to the Nizak. Then if the Nizak is going to be Maktish, that animal, then yes, in fact, it does then go. Uh, to Hactish. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom, what would be the din if the mazik sold the animal? Let's get the case clear. My animal killed your animal. My animal is still alive and I sold the animal that I'm supposed to give to you. The Rabbi Shmuel, according to Rabbi Shmuel, where really I only care about the financial equivalent and not the animal itself, what would be the din? And the Gemara says on the last line of Lama Gimel of Adalif, it looks like we're not going to get as far as I was hoping, but says the Gemara, Do we say that according to Rabbi Shmuel, we only care about the equivalent dollar value? The animal itself is not inherently valuable in my obligations to you because I killed your animal. And therefore, machur, that when the mazik sells the animal, it's considered to be uh, sold. O Dilma, or perhaps top of Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis, Kevin de Mishabed Le Lenizak Lav Kol Kemine. No, but maybe since the Mazik really does owe money to the Nizak, he has no right to sell this animal until he otherwise pays back the Nizak. Says the Gemara Amar Le. The response came in. Uh, in this case, because Rava was talking to Rav Nachman, Rava was fourth century speaking to his Rebbe, Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman replies, Lama Gim, Lama Bey, second line, Amar Le, Eno Machur, it is not considered to be sold. Ay, Vahatanya, Machur, Machur, let's review our case. My animal kills your animal, and I sell my animal, and I'm in the camp of Rabbi Shmuel that I owe you cash and not the actual animal itself. Rabbi Nachman was of the opinion of Eino Machor that you're not allowed to sell the animal, yet the Brisa says Machor that it is. So it says the Gemara, you're right, it is considered Machor, you are allowed to sell it. What Rav Nachman means is Choser Vegovho, that you, the Nizak, are allowed to go and collect that animal and take it for yourself. If the Nizak is allowed to collect the animal that the Mazik sold, Lama Machor, why then do we consider it to be sold in the first place? The Nizak can just go and take it, no big deal, says the Gemara Liridya, because during that time, the person who bought it from the Mazik is able to use it to plow, and he doesn't have to pay for the time that he used it. He doesn't have to pay back anybody for that. The animal just can be recaptured by the Nizak. Says the Gemara, Shmamina. This has an implication that I don't like, says the Gemara. Four lines down on Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis. This implies the Loved that in the case of a borrow, Umocher Metaltalin, Bezdin Govin Lomehem. If I borrow something and I'm Mocher Metaltalin and I uh, then sell my private property, uh, my immovable properties, says the Gemara, it implies that Bezdin Govin Lomehem, that, that those properties can be recollected because really, um, I owe you money. So maybe you can recollect them from me. If I sold the metaltalin to somebody else, I can recollect the metaltalin that you sold from that third party. It says the Gemara, don't worry. Shiny Hassam, that case is a little bit different. The case that we were discussing, the Chemanda Asawa Putiki dummy, the case of the shore where we're allowed to recollect, when I sell that as a mazik, if I'm the mazik and I sell that shore, it kind of has the status of Aputiki, which is that it's meant to be collected from uh, by the Nizak. And says the Gemara, wait one second. You cannot have the status of your shore to be an aputiki. That if, 
if uh, I make my Eved an Apuziki and sell him, Balchov go behemenu, I can then uh, collect on that Eved, no problem. But the Brisa says, it's actually not a Brisa, excuse me, it's in the name of Rava, but Rava says, Shoro Apuziki umachro, let's say that I made a short to an Apuziki, that it was set aside to make a payment, so that the Nizak can recollect that item. Then, Ein Balchov go behemenu. So here we have a stira. A few lines ago, it seemed to be that according to Rav Nachman, based on the stira and brisas, that the Nizak can go recollect that item, that shore that was sold. Over here, it seems to say in the name of Rava that you're not allowed to do that, that a shore, even when it's an apotiki, even when it's set up to be a collection for an item that was sold that shouldn't have been sold, how then does that work? A shore should not be an apotiki, says the Gemara. Let's analyze. Eved my taima, eight or nine lines down, alamad gimel alamad Why is it that we allow an eved to be an apotiki? Because mishum de islay kala, everybody knows about an eved. An eved is a big deal. It's a significant purchase. Everybody knows about it. Says the Gemara, guess what? Hi nami, our case two of our shore, it also cave on the nagach, because my shore killed your shore, kala islay. Everybody knows that my shore is now a muad. And in fact, it has a nickname in the community. The Torah Nagchana Karule. People call it the Goring Shore. Everybody knows about the, the shore that killed. Everybody knows. Stay away from that guy. His animals are behemoth. We're not even going to let them get near it. There's nothing to talk about. He's dangerous. So says the Gemara. Therefore, it is possible that Rav Nachman is right, that when a mazik sells an animal that he should not have sold, it's machor ve'eno machor. It's machor, it's sold in as much as, yes, the person who purchased it, the buyer, the lokeach, can use it, lirija, for plowing, but the nizak always has the right to recollect that item and repurpose it as his own. Next case, looks like we're only going to get to the two dots in the middle of the page. Says, then we'll have to just pick up the balance uh, another time. Says the Gemara, Tani Rav Tachlifa Bar Ma'arava Kamid Rabbi Abo. Tana Bar Rav Tachlifa says as follows, Machro Eino Machur. If you try to sell it, it's not sold. We don't know yet if this is talking about the mazik selling or the nizak selling. That's going to be our analysis. But this line says, machro eno machor, that if he tries to sell it, it doesn't work. And hikdisho muktash, but if he tries to be maktish it, that actually does work. So the Gemara says, what's our case? Quarter of the way down. Machro man, who is the one who actually sold this item? Ilema mazik, if you want to say that the mazik sold it, then machro eno machor money. We know that's not the sheet of Rabbi Shmal. That has to be Rabbi Akiva. He amar huchlata shor. That's eno machor because Rabbi Akiva says you have no right to sell that shore. That shore is huchlat. The mazik cannot sell that shore. That specific shore, not its dollar value, needs to go to the nizak. So therefore, our Mishnah, if, if this brisa, I should say, brought by Rav Tachlifa Barma Arava, it has to be, machro and machro, has to be Rabbi Akiva. But the problem is that the next words in the Brisa, the Muktash, if it's going to be Muktash, that sounds a son of Rabbi Shmuel, Yusam Hashor That sounds like Rabbi Shmuel, who says that it, it's considered a financial equivalent, and therefore you're allowed to commit it to Bezdin. You're allowed to commit it to the Beis Mikdash. A son of Rabbi Shmuel, Yusam Hashor That's a stira. So we can't say that the Brisa that's brought by uh, Rav Tachlifa is here in order to tell us anything other than confusion. Because if you say that the Mazik is the one who sold it, so then we're stuck because it seems like we have two authors of our Mishnah, the first half like Rabbi Akiva, the second half like Rabbi Shmuel. And if you want to say El Nizak, you want to say that the Nizak is the one who sold this animal. Well, Machro Eino Machro from the Nizak's perspective, money, Rabbi Shmuel, that seems to follow the sheet of Rabbi Shmuel and Hikdishu Muktash is a son of Rabbi Akiva. 
No matter how you look at the brisa, either the mazik selling it or the nizak, we have a problem where the Resha and Seifa don't agree. One is Rabbi Akiva and one is Rabbi Shmuel. So the Gemara, one third of the way down, says, mazik Really, what we're talking about is where the mazik was the one who sold. And machro eno machor, when it says machro eno machor, really you're right, Rabbi Akiva should not say that that is sold. Afilo the Rabbi Yishmael, even Rabbi Yishmael would agree to that. Because really, you're, even though the animal itself isn't obligated according to Rabbi Yishmael, but you have a, you're Meshubah to the Nizak, you owe him money, you should not be selling this animal. And Hekdesho Muktash is Afilo the Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Akiva, where the animal itself needs to go to the Nizak, I, why would it be Muktash? For a secondary outside concern. Mishum Rabbi Abo. What does Rabbi Abo say? To Amar Rabbi Abo, Gzera Shema Yomru Hektish Yotze Belo Pidyon. That we don't want anyone to ever say that if you're Maktish something, that you could be, uh, you can deconsecrate it without actually paying for it. And therefore, we consider it to be muktash to some degree. Should we push to get a little bit further? I mean, are there others? You're good? I just, if anyone has to dive more, I'm sorry. I, okay, I feel bad. All right, we're going to have to push forward because it's going to make tomorrow impossible. Okay, so the Gemara says halfway down, you'll get the rest of the recording. My apologies. Tanurabanan, the Brysa writes over here, this is a longer Brysa, a little sophisticated of a Brysa, a little difficult. And then we'll just touch one analysis and then we'll pause until tomorrow. So it should move pretty quickly. Tanurabanan, the Brysa writes as follows. Short Tam Shehizik, a docile animal that causes damage. Ad Shelo Ahmad Bedin Mecharo, if Shelo Ahmad Bedin. The, be the Bezdin didn't paskin on the docile shore yet, establishing it to be anything other than what it is, a tam. So then the halacha is machur. If you try to sell it at that point, then the sale is good. Hikdisha muktash, if you try to sanctify it and give it to the base of mikdash, that works. If you shechted it and gave it away to someone as a gift, masha asa asui, uh, whatever happened at this point after the short tam damage, but before Bezdin paskined on it, everything that's done is done. However, Here's the, the turning point in the Mishnah, in the Brisa. If it was sold after the Psak Din on this animal, then Eino Machur. After Bezdin Paskins on this animal, there is no functional sale. It's a Mekachtos. Hekdesho Eino Muktash, you're not allowed to do that. That animal has a Din that was Paskin done by Bezdin. If you shechted the animal and you gave it away halachically, you got to pay that back. You didn't accomplish anything there. That's unacceptable. And now, let's add another layer. What if people who were owed money, they who people to whom you owe, to whom you owed money, they came to collect? Whatever the timing is of the chov, whether it was before or after, your shore damaged. They cannot take uh, that animal because in such a case, we need the animal itself. They're not allowed to take that animal from you. You need that animal to pay damages. Muad Shehizik, let's turn it in, in now in the Brisa to focus on a Muad. We started with a short time. If we have a Muad that damaged, then whether or not there was a Psaktin from Bezdin, the sale is valid. And if you sanctify to the base of Mikdash, done deal. If you shechted and give it away as a gift, done deal. What about people? who you owe money to, and if they came to grab the animal, this animal, which was muad lahazik, so then ben chavat shlo, hizik, ben hizikat shlo chav, whatever the case may be in regards to timing. If the damage happened before 
uh, before the chov took place or not. Because in this case, it's mishtalimin ha'aliyah. When payments come for nezek shalem, in almost all cases, it's min ha'aliyah, it's cash value. It's not migufo. Therefore, the animal is available to be taken by the balei chov. That's the brisa. One quick analysis and we're done. Amar mar. Machor, 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 when we said in the Brysa, in the beginning of the Brysa by the Tom case, that it's considered a sale, Liridja, what that means is that it can be used by the buyer for plowing. Hikdisho Muktash, when we say that it's fully uh, consecrated to the Besam Mikdash, only kind of. Mishum de Rebbe Abo, like we saw by Rebbe Akiva, that it's really not fully consecrated. We treat it that way so people don't have a misunderstanding that you can deconsecrate without payment, without some type of uh, tumura, some type of switch. And when the Bryce says, Shachto v'nastam b'matana masha asa asui, that line requires analysis. Bishlama nastam b'matana masha asa asui l'ridja. I could understand what you're saying, that if I give over an animal as a gift, then it can be used for someone to plow. That I understand. However, last of the short lines, second to last of the short lines, if you shechted the animal, give back the animal that you shechted, give him the meat, the corned beef, the shoulder, whatever the parts of the animal are, give them all back. Why would we assume this to Tanya? Because we have a brisa. Chai, the Pasuk says, Chai, what is the whole Pasuk? The Pasuk says, um, uh, So Chai, that's all right. That's only the animal is alive. If it's shechted, how do I know that that's considered reasonable uh, compensation? So why does our brisa say, in regards to an animal that's been shechted? Give me back the animal. I'm, I'll happily eat corned beef. No problem at all. Says the Gemara, and with this we'll close. Amar of Shezvi, lo All we're discussing here is a reduction in cost for the Nizak. That's all we're discussing. When we talk about an animal, the loss of a loklum, it means that he takes a loss that if the animal, when it's valued uh, alive, is 100, and after Shechita, it's 80, yes, he gets back to 80, but he takes a loss on the 20, the pchas is absorbed by the Nizak. We'll stop right here on the second of the wide lines on Lama Gimel, Lama Bezin. Pick up Amir Hashem tomorrow night back together. Wishing you all a beautiful night.